Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back one and all to your time with the Grimecast, the quasi-regular show where myself, Browbeat, and my companion, Nutchucks, generally get to air grievances, address news, largely shoot hot air from a variety of orifices in our bodies, and every now and then stumble up across uh, nuggets of wisdom that may have a dim redeeming value beyond just filling the ether with more of what we like to call content. Mr. Chucks, how are you feeling after your two-and-a-half-hour ordeal of wrestling with uh, buttons and labels? Uh, I feel fantastic, sir. Like a Would you say you've peach. never felt as good as I do right now? I would say yes. Okay, except for that one time. Yeah, that one time. That one day. That one day. Um, God, it's, it's, it's been a while since we've uh, chatted, so uh, last we talked, you, uh, you, you got your second COVID shot. How are you feeling? Uh, now I feel reasonably well. It was the second shot of the Moderna. Uh, I was told, guard your ass for some side effects. And I took that fairly seriously. But the first day, which was a Thursday, I didn't feel anything problematic. And then I lost the entirety of my Friday as seemingly every conceivable annoying, if not problematic, symptom began to fire off. Fevers, joint aches, weakness, disorientation, sensory overload, headaches. Loss of appetite, just complete disability. All, all the niggles fired off at once. And this really didn't abate until most of the way through the next day, which would have been Saturday. So I lost two complete days and part of Sunday to just not being myself. Now, arguably, it's all worth it, absolutely, because being safe medically and practically are very important traits. Um, it didn't help that later on my wife read articles saying, well, it says here that the effectiveness of the vaccine is maybe about a year. I have Which heard is, that. One of those things where, at least me personally, I would prefer to know the roadmap in general totality in terms of what the steps are, what they look like beyond our immediate right, concern. So but I'm also in the working world, here, in general, I want people see don't if want it... to take the effort and time, understandably, for every stranger and customer to explain what the sum process is. You just care about your current appointment and your current step. So I've had plenty of people that I know say, oh, it was fine. I was just kind of, you know, kind of shitty for a day, but I was good. Compared to what I felt, I would have some pause in saying, you want me to do this every year? For real? Okay. I guess I'm taking vacation for this every time because you are getting nothing out of me for at least two days after that kind of treatment. No, I uh, I completely understand. I haven't taken the shot. I should, but I haven't. Um, How that, dare you, nutchucks? That is unconscionable. I just, I don't know. I just haven't. I have decided to. No, I'm not like one of those conspiracy theory nuts, though. They're like, it's going to, they're going to put GPS trackers in your nutsack and it's going to cause you to have explosive head syndrome while shooting flames out your ass. I'm not, not one of those. I am, uh, I just, uh, I don't mind. I don't see it as a, uh, it's just something I haven't done yet. Um, I have, though, on the other hand, uh, had some crazy things happen to me in the past week. Somebody shot COVID at you in bullet form. You could say that, I guess. I mean, I got to see my first highly decayed dead body, as, and that was rough. You very, very briefly mentioned that in text format, and yeah. the key term you used 
as a reference of time spent was the word month. So please use this platform and this time to expand upon your impressions beyond I threw up in five buckets. Surprisingly, I didn't. It didn't bother. It bothered me, but not as much. Okay, so um, essentially, this guy uh, had passed away, and no one knew until that day that I texted you, stating because the maintenance bin that was the trailer park uh, came into the house, could smell the pungent odor of cat poop and ammonia from cat piss, and they walked into his bedroom and found the uh, the elderly gentleman. You couldn't tell he was elderly, uh, highly decayed, uh, in the process of decaying. And so what happened was, is that uh, when I got there, they've already been on scene for three hours. I had to look at this body. and Well, I didn't have to look at the body. I could have just stayed outside. But I was like, you know what? It shows to. <laughs> I decided, I was like, I want to see what it looks like. and I Because everybody talks about it when you join being a, being a cop. You're like, hey, this is some stuff you're going to need to see. And you're going to want to see the first time. Because, you know, you never really get to see something like this. So I decided I would go look at this body. I walk inside, uh, fresh cat turd right in the way, uh, two dead cats that had died in the living room that were eaten by the other cats, because there were five cats in the house, but two were dead, so now three were alive. Um, wow, five cats. Yep, five cats. And then I turn right to go into the bedroom, and I see the what most people know is a crime scene person, but we call it CID, um, and... And his partner that he's training because he was a sergeant and the other guy was new. And I looked to the right and I was like, I'm just here to check out the dead body. And this do you, have you ever seen what happens when you deep fry pork skin to make pork rinds? Like how it's all yellow and crackly and broken up until you. Well, no, excuse I've me. I've seen pork rinds, but I haven't seen human flesh rendered into cracklings. So essentially what happens, the way to make pork rinds is, is that you dehydrate it and then you deep fry it and it puffs out. Well, after it's dehydrated, that's what the skins look like. This guy's stomach was bloated with all the fluids because surprisingly what happens when you decompo uh, start to uh, decompose is that you inflate in size because your body starts retaining all the fluid that you have and you balloon up to about 100 to 200 pounds heavier in fluid uh, because things start... Mostly a gaseous process or no? Not necessarily. So gases do build up, but your body turns into a lot of liquid. Um, but this dude had no face. Um, it was as black as midnight and covered in maggots and flies, and his eyes were sunken in. His stomach was yellow and bloated out. His pants were around his his waist. His junk was out. Um, he was uh, he, he was he was dead as dead, but his face was gone. Like I mean, it was gone because there were so many flies and maggots and other dead animals in there that these flies got to breathe so much that they could just land and feed off of him. And he it was, was so, but it wasn't down to the bone. There's still some soft tissues on the barely on the, on the face, barely. His eyes were so far gone and droopy, and his face was so far gone that it he had no tongue left. He had no eyeballs left. His nose was gone. It was caved into his nose. It was some meat was hanging off his face, and it was pitch black. That's how his face looked. Now, the rest of his body, like I said, was black, yellow, bloated, and nothing else. The flies couldn't get to it because there was no open orifices yet, yet to get to. But they had to move this body onto the bed to tie it up. And when they did, the amount of fluid and gook and nastiness you could hear sloshing around on the bed was so disgusting. But it, I didn't throw up. Like, it was more intriguing to Hold me. Down. I held it down. Right. <laughs> 
yeah, they were like, oh, you can go throw up now. I'm like, it's not as bad. Like the smell was the worst part, but I finally understood. Like I, I think I've mentioned this to you before, and I think I've said it on the podcast that when you smell a dead body, you uncontrollably salivate. Not a lot. I would have figured that Officer Trucks would say, yeah, 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 I'm going to go get a chicken sandwich. Yeah. A lot of people do that, actually. A lot of the people that I've talked to that work for the GBI mentioned that they do actually do that. Like, all right, we just got on scene. We smell it. You guys want to go get lunch real quick since they're not done? And they do that. Um, but what happened was is that uh, I did. I started salivating a little bit, but I was like, the smell's so bad. So I put gum in my mouth to help with the smell because the peppermint oil wipe didn't last very long. And uh, watching him sludge up, I'm the only one not in a hazmat suit because there's sludge all over the floor. There's math. Clearly not belonging <laughs> on scene. Like, hey, guys, I'll help you out. Do you want to put on gloves? No, I'm okay. I, I, no, right, no, I'm not. So once the, the CID or crime scene unit comes in, they do not allow us to touch anything unless they ask for our help. And in this case, since he was teaching, it was, hey, you just need to stay the heck back. But you can take a look. Um, and unfortunately... And you, you produced a three-foot stick. It started to poke at it because it jiggled. Oh no! Oh, if I poked that thing, it probably would have blown up, or the stick would have gotten caught in. But that uh, that was rough. Like it was rough and not rough at the same time. It was intriguing to learn what happens when your body dies, and now I get to see what happened. Well, at this point, I'm going to make the argument that that's not what you're observing. The body died a month ago. Yes. Uh, some parts of the body are now terraforming into a wonderful new world of opportunity and raw materials for other interested parties. The mammals had their pick at the body, the cats did, but they didn't eat the whole thing. They just ate what maybe they could interpret as product for them. The cats weren't able to get to him. The cats were only able to get to the other cats. His, he was locked in his room. Oh, interesting. Okay. The cats, well, if they had yeah. the chance, they would have like eaten the nose and such, but left so, most of it alone. The sump, the rest of it, like you say, is the exciting bacterial ecosystem inside of his tum-tums, as well as any exposed pieces of his flesh that are now grounds for any other enterprising insects or other life that can get in and have at it. He has become a bounteous world of new life material. Tragically, but still. Yeah, tragically. I think you got you got to see another order of life make itself at home. I will. Whereas the human world says, "Yeah, let's go try and get some prints off him, whatever." Uh, well, he didn't have any family, so we felt bad. We had to turn him over to the the coroner. But I will say, this man was quite impressive. This man had a binder, like a school binder, uh, of list of movies on shelf. The list of movies on said shelf were adult movies. So this man had categorically put his adult movies on this shelf where he would know when he looked at a folder where it goes and everything. And me and the other guys just looked at each other like, you know, got to give the man credit. He, uh, he really knew where to put uh, all those files and everything and how to save them and know where to look for it. And he didn't have to go just like, I'm going to go look up online. And he went, nope, I know where it's at. Section C, subsection B, uh, number 75 is actually like uh, beauties with seven backs. You know, that's over here in Rough Riders number nine. Like, do, like, do I categorize by the starlet name or by the scene or by the director? No, they were just done oh, by the, the, the director of photography, the other DP. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, yeah, he did it by movie name is what he did it by. And he had it all in order where he knew where it was. Without tilting too much, I'll, I'll say that I can totally relate to that kind of behavior because in past iterations, I would have also been very meticulous about how to name, store, sort, and access the various things I found worthy of keeping. Were it not for enterprising past partners that have uh, urged me to purge all such nonsense, uh, I would also have a well-organized uh, reference 
to the point where, if I so chose, I could have been that guy that would have entered the comments and somebody would inevitably say, uh, name, who name, who this? I'd say, oh, dude, yeah, and then just access my files and post it and say, here you go. Here are some other scenes of my bitch sit in. E editing boobopedia, if you will. Yeah. Just as a passing interest. But of course, uh, alas, that is many hard drives ago because uh, sources intervened and said, yeah, you're sick. That's not okay. Stop it. And they proceeded to intensely dive into cult stuff themselves. I go, oh, okay. I've got the problem. Cool. Yeah. Um, I will say, I, I may be joining a D&D &D group. That's another thing I got. I found out one of the guys that I work with, one of the new guys is a... Speaking of necromancy! <laughs> yeah. Speaking of dead bodies! Uh, no, I might run a barbarian or a fighter, but uh, no necromancy for me. Everybody else... Every time I've played D&D, &D, somebody else, like everyone else is like, I want to be a wizard. I want to be an archer. I'm going to be a okay. bard. So, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me, let me put, I don't know what the experience level of the group or the person running the game is, but if we're going to do in the segue, I will uh, further say that our current group, such as it is, with its core members that aren't flaking in and out, is two rogues, both of whom spec'd into assassination, so they deal large amounts of damage in specific circumstances, a bard, who is a performer and a, and a show diva, and a... It's a class called Artificer. You might as well call it a researcher or a tinker. That's not super sturdy, but they have a lot of gadgets. That is not a classic party composition. Especially, it's rare enough that most players have that feeling of that to be one of each because online games have taught you that you got to spec out the trinity of classes for DPS, healing, and tank, and all that nonsense. Having two assassins is pretty exciting in most encounters because you have to seriously coordinate with one another. As, as a specific detail here in 5th edition D&D sneak attack damage is the big multiplier it's it's the big chance to burst above what your strength or your weapon can do sneak attack damage is expressed as you hit the weak spot in a specific way sneak attack damage can happen when you roll to attack a creature when you have advantage against that creature and there's a number of conditions of what those things are including you have an ally somewhere near that creature well what happens when a creature is flanked by two people who are very good at exploiting weaknesses? Typically speaking, that creature begins to melt rapidly due to sheer damage. And you might say, okay, the, the fighter is going to stand up and take on the opponents and the rogue gets behind. What if the rogues keep dancing back and forth across people? They're hard to hit, they're not super sturdy, but you can nail them down and they keep all the lungs keep rupturing. Faces come off, that kind of thing. That can be very exciting. So, Chucks, I'm, I'm going to say... If you want to play a class, not even a character, just a class that you perceive to be simple, you can do that. But at no point should you ever think to yourself, we already have one of these. Mm, should I? <laughs> I'm going to encourage you, if you join a group, and you can, you can feel out the table. You can feel out what the general mood of people is. Because at some points, if it's a bunch of people who want to get in and just spend time together, which ultimately what this is all about is collaborative experience storytelling, if all they want to do is kick down doors and stomp ass, why don't all of you roll Barbarian? You, you can be on a holy vision quest together <laughs> or just out to raid or do whatever. You can do that. You are not all going to be the same character, I promise you that. In fact, it may ease tensions. But when somebody says, as we discussed previously, and we'll touch upon this again, oh, I want to be the wizard. Okay, so you're going to be slinging fireballs or lightning? No, I just I want to summon magic tree friends. And have a spoon that's always full of oatmeal. 
Okay, it's fucking Ling. Can he can, can he kill it with like death fire? Well, I mean, eventually. <laughs> Wouldn't you guys rather have like a placid little meadow to sit in and restore your charges of spells and stuff? <laughs> no, you're lame. Um, so my like I said, I have very limited experience, and I, I mentioned to you before that um, I thought about playing D and D. And we yeah. started a D&D session, and that was the D&D session that I did. And there, everybody else was going more of a combat fighter's height. Well, they were going more like, hey, we're going to do fireballs and all that from a distance, and we're going to shoot arrows. And they were like, we really need somebody that would go smackety-smack. So I chose fighter. They were like, you go barbarian or fighter. So I went I went metallic. Very different disciplines. But okay. I, I, I know. I went gold, uh, metallic gold dragon with... Uh, who was a fighter who was going uh, weapons master, I believe. It, it's been a while. It's been about five months since we tried. Uh, needless to say, I, I had fun doing the whole creation thing because we were trying to start out at level five and we got to do what they, the deck of mini cards was what they were using. Always. Uh, Goddamn always. Always. Yeah. Or the deck of mini. Not, you know what? Never a good idea. Deck not of, one time. What's the one where it's only bad stuff? I think it's the deck of mini things, not the deck of... Uh, I cannot. Well, there's two answers to that. There's the deck of many curses, and there's the legally distinct Chinese knockoff deck of <laughs> the, the sorting order of plenty. Wink. It, it was the tarot cards. Let's leave it at that. And so he had the copyright infringement deck. Got it. So the copyright infringement deck uh, is what we used, and I had to fight death. It got me a fire sword uh, that turned on when I said flame on. Uh, I had a giant. I had a stone giant's belt. And I started out with like an extra 10,000 gold because everybody else was getting like, oh, you lose half your life. You are naked when you start. And they came to me and they're like, all right, well, the way it's going, you're going to get this. And I got like four positive things out of the five out of the deck. And they're like, you fucking lucky bastard. But I was yeah. like, yeah, I was like, I guess you, I got lucky. Got so many good things. You have no idea what it is that you got. You just said, oh, I like being the center of attention. As no. opposed to this, yeah. is, this is utterly improbable. How dare you? essentially and they're just like you have a fire sword i'm like oh i get that like i it's like it's always well when you turn it on it's always on i'll keep you warm you know you will have a harder time with uh getting ice damage and everything because of that sword it'll uh you, get... uh, you don't need that they already stated that you're a magical creature you're you're one of them dragonborns yes so your your starting hand is already d d different but this is coming from perspective of like the, the things matter in world yeah. Which most of the they just matter encounter to encounter because numbers and stats and feeling awesome. But when they say, "Yeah, you're like a metal dragon," okay, well, you don't get a character class. You're just that. You're just the force of nature to begin with, and you just get better at that shit. But I want to wear a heavy plate and have fire swords. Why? You can cast spells and kill people with your breath and trip them with your tail and fuck them to death. No, I I want to have adventures. Okay, so you're a dragon cosplaying as a fighter. Cool. <laughs> go with that essentially like I, well here was the whole thing like because i started bringing up things like i never really played D, &D. i was like hey is there anything like thor and all that they're like yeah you have to have the gauntlets to wield this hammer and you have to have a a minimum of a stone giant or cloud giant belt or something like that if you don't well, have that equivalent yeah and then i was like what about i started because the reason i started asking all these things is like what because i was you know I've, like mythology and everything we've talked about it before i, mean, I think me and you both have listened to or read neil gaiman's um Norse mythology. Anansi boys. That's also a good one. Um he does a lot of good things about mythology. He does a lot of good things, period. <laughs> yeah, he does no he does a lot of just in general, comic books, stories, movies, uh, you name it. The guy's pretty good. Um but needless to say, I was uh 
quite intrigued. So I started talking about weapons and all that. I was like, what about Frey's sword? They're like, oh, yeah, they have Frey's sword. It's the dancing sword. And all. I was like, oh, cool. And they're like, well, since you're a dragon, you probably want to go with either the fire or um, ice sword. So I went with the fire sword just because they're like, hey, in this world, we're probably going to need it because it's dark. I'm going to get both. And I'm going to tape them together at the ends. And I'm going to have a dual sword of sword and fire. Well, the handle's going to be wet all the time. I know. It's great. So when I swing, it slips out of my hand and hits you with both. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's the kind of shit he can do. That's absolutely. You can do that. Ultimately, even if I could sit there and just roll my eyes going, this shit's just bananas. If the table's having fun, that's the point. Uh, Everybody's going, yeah, man. Just Your d d adventure is allowed to be a 70s metal album cover. You can just do that. You you can definitely Black make everything. Chromed out exhausts. Yes. You can make everything like Van Art. <laughs> you can. Absolutely. Just because somebody might want to have a nuanced adventure doesn't mean everyone else can do that because it's boring. I want to do the next coolest thing. You can completely just say, you know what? I want my character to be a minotaur. They could say, well, yeah, you can do that. Uh, the rules say you have like a three-level offset, so the party's level five and you're level one whatever. But here's the upshot. You're an eight-foot-tall bull man, so there comes with certain kinds of perks, including the ability to uh, gore things at will. I thought I or, told him I was Trogdor. That's copyrighted, but, you know. Uh, Trogdor, you start at 18th level. <laughs> I am the Burninator. You, you can use Burninate as a free action at all times. <laughs> uh, you're not allowed within 20 miles of any city. Uh, just, just shit, you know? Yes, you can have the fun, but there's a very tenuous balance between you're having fun and party having fun and everybody having fun. Because unfortunately, sometimes players can trample over the person running the game. Unless the person running the game knows exactly what kind of chuckle fucks they're inviting to their table. And so they just they just cater to the crowd. They know what's up. They Everybody yeah. had played together, so that was the thing. I was the new guy, brand new guy. And everybody else is like, ah, this is like my eighth D&D campaign. And one guy's like, I've been playing D&D since I was like 10. And I'm like, how old are you now? He's like, 23. And then his brother was the same way. And it was the guy who was the DM. It was their, his cousins. I'm like, holy shit, man. <laughs> like, everybody else is like, Anthony's like, oh, I'm almost like you. I've only been playing. Anthony is our editor. He's also my brother. Um, he is, uh, he's like, yeah, I've only been playing for like two years. I'm like, day one, asshole. <laughs> and he's like, oh, again. But it, it was fun. We all had fun making our characters. Playing is it's not super indicative. I can say I've been playing tabletop games for, well, let's say 20 years. Let's say. But in that span of breadth, have I been obsessively studying the rules to max out whatever advantages I have in, in, in various editions? No, not very often at all. I pay attention to little things or the broad sweeping things, but I, I'm not going to sit down at a table and somebody's going to say, all right, cool, roll your characters. And everyone's min-maxing all around. And I'm going to ask seemingly very basic questions like, hey, how does this work? And how does this work? Well, what are you fucking new? No, I mean, I'm, I'm new to this particular book. I'm not new to this. And now I'm learning a lot by looking at you and listening to what you guys do. And uh, I'm not sure how much fun we're going to have here together based on how you're acting. On the other hand, your advantage being somebody completely impressionable and new, you have your own convictions and preferences. If you sit down among a bunch of people who are, I mean, these guys are welcoming by the sounds of it, but if they start to have their, oh, I have more gamer cred than you, then you get to have as much fun at their expense as you want. 
including doing dumb shit to trip them up. Go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm new, as you push them in the shark pit. No, they were all real cool. They were all helping me out, which was surprising because I felt like most of the time when you play sports, if you haven't done it, a lot of the people that play that you're like, oh, God, I got to teach the guy the rules. He doesn't know what to do. But this was just like, hey, look, you know, we know you're new, so it ain't, ain't upset about it. We'll teach you. We'll help you out. Here's what you want to do with your character. Here's how you want to go. Here's this. Here's that. And it was it was actually inclusive, which is kind of neat, for, especially with people that have been doing it for years. But I think they they're under uh, with D and D. A lot of people understand when you first come into it, you're gonna have those issues. Like, yeah, you're you're you don't know what you're doing, so it's it's okay. Like, we'll we'll help you out, just as long as you don't screw us over too bad. And then I accidentally well, spit my at the time I was dipping, I spit my dip into this guy's Powerade after he finished it, and he drank it a little bit. I was like, ooh, my bad. Yeah, that's that's a that's a party foul for sure. Yeah, there's a there's a difference of a variety of differences in being new, and the most benign kind is okay, guys, which die do I have to roll for this? The more difficult kind is you're just not familiar with a framework of pretending or calling out actions of any capacity. When they say, "What do you do?" you you freeze up and say, "Uh." Uh, I don't know. If the table's cool, they'll suggest actions like you can do this or this or this. What would you want to do for yourself? Pretend you're in this place, etc. They'll guide you. Yeah. Uh, but every now and then, you know, you, you get that bit of friction. Hey, guys, my so-and-so wants to come in and play. A friend, cousin, parole officer, whatever. And they sit down <laughs> at the table. And the table basically says, right, our rhythm is coming to an ass-grinding halt. We need, we, we like other players. We like the inclusiveness. Absolutely. But we really got to test the waters because the person might sit there and just be quiet and you have to prompt them for everything. Or they might overreach and say, I do all this stuff. And depending on how they handle it, more or less fun occurs. You could have yourself a key and peel under the giant sketch where everything goes sideways, but the table has fun. Still, <laughs> one of this being, I want I'm Cadillac. happy for you and I want more of that for yourself. And I want to hear about your impressions and adventures. Maybe less so, if, and then I got the star mail plus five. And more like, right, so this was a pickle, and here's how we solved our way out of it. Um, I will say, uh, we were discussing last week about Dark Alliance, the new Dungeons & Dragons game that was based off uh -huh. the Baldur's Gate. Uh, so far, um, it's crap. Um, yeah, luckily it's things about that. Yeah, so a lot. That's the big thing right now that everyone's like, no, it's pre it's pretty bad. And I, you know, I can play for free because I have Game Pass. Kind of, it's you know, you I get to play at a deep, 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 deep discount. I do essentially. So if you break down every game on there, I'm only paying like ten cents at most per game. But might as well be free. Yes. Yeah. So I played it and I got through the first two levels, but it was as so whom? It's the barbarian. I was playing the bar Wolfgar. Uh -huh. Wolfgar. Mm -hmm. was his name i believe he's based off a character if i'm not mistaken from the dnd stories because that he name... was written by ra salvatore about 30 years ago yes yeah because he's in neverwinter and the guy when i played neverwinter yeah the... dude's been around yeah so essentially what they was like they were just like this he's is almost as old as this thing where if you say dark elf and two swords and ranger anywhere in the same neighboring senses they go oh you mean that guy yes god damn it that guy <laughs> Um, but he, he was mentioning like, well, this isn't how Wolfgar is. Wolfgar is not anything like this in the stories or in the D&D plays. He's, I'm like, oh man, I was like, I don't know. I've only played a little bit. He goes, oh, I've been playing D&D since like third edition. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. And I'm like, okay, well. Poser. <laughs> Bring back Thacko. 
he started mentioning all these because all the characters that you fight against in Neverwinter are big name D and D characters from their stories that people created that they used. So he's like, "Oh yeah, all you these are." To. You have to. I mean, how are you gonna keep people interested? You just trickle feed them fan service, essentially. But hey, uh, is that old mini arrows? Who? Oh, that guy. Yeah, it's totally him. Um, that's actually I'm assuming is an orc or something or a bandit. You got it. Yeah. Yeah, because the Mini Arrows tribe is... Yeah, there's the Mini Arrows tribe in Neverwinter. That's the only reason why I knew it. You have to collect their talismans and and do all this other crap with it. Um, but needless to say, I played Dark Alliance. I wasn't having fun. It's definitely like you start out offline and you can go online if you wanted to. Well, you're going to want to. From everyone that I've heard, it's not balanced for a single player, period. No, it's definitely not. You definitely need a party of four, maybe... At least two or three. I mean, yeah, minimum of two, duh, because it's not a party if you're by yourself, unless you know you're doing what the old guy was doing before he died. Um, so, remember what Danny Sexbank says, though. It's not masturbation; it's an orgy for one. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, what the uh, it's Ninja Sex Party, right? Ninja Sex Party, yes, sir. Okay, that, that, that's some pretty good remakes. But I'll, I'll get back to this. I wouldn't recommend Dark Alliance paying the forty dollars. Wait till it's on sale. Uh it's. You can stop at the first half of that sentence. I don't recommend dark, the, a D&D Dark Alliance. I wouldn't no say I don't recommend it. Right now, I do not recommend it. I would say right now. I would say give it a year. Let the stuff drop that they have for DLC and fix all the bugs that they have going on. Because even when I'm playing it, it was boggy and slow. Which was insane yeah. to me. And repetitive. Yeah. And, uh, Don't forget the bad loop. I was, uh, the loot was, the loot was okay, but you just get random loot throughout the whole thing. Um, I died, unfortunately, like in the first level, but I was halfway into it and then I got to keep all the stuff that I had, but I died because I was too cold, which was. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Wolfgar passed out from the cold. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I was taking, taking damage in the cold because there was ice and I was trying to get from chest to chest, but they had the flame swords that would keep you hot and they would give you extra heat to get through certain sections. And I just ran out and died. Needless to say though, it uh, sounds a lot like the environments have nothing to do with the characters. They throw shit in there for you to do. So it's a fuck around game. There's a root. There's room for those, but if you're using highly identifiable established characters ostensibly on an adventure in their world and then you disrespect that mechanically i'm going to say there's nothing worth seeing here i would agree but like i said it's free right now for me so i want to see how it goes maybe they'll fix it up with if a couple you updates game pass. You got the game pass okay. go give it a look and be as disappointed as chucks yeah essentially i mean you can be as disappointed as you want um but for me, I, I will give things a chance for a while. I did. I played it for about an hour, hour and a half, and then I put it down and went back to baseball. <laughs> and okay. I was just, I was okay. like, "All right, well, I'm I'm done now." Oh, good. The Steam reviews are just mixed, not negative. So clearly, it's it's quite it's quite good. It's very good, guys. Just, just go go spend time on that. Yeah, just just. Can I be multiple characters? No. Have you not been paying attention? Everyone can only be one person. Yeah, also, which... the thing that I mentioned in D and D, where you can be multiples of one class but still be different characters, is that like it's not allowed. You have to be mutually exclusive. That's how the Trinity works. 
but there's four characters. Fuck, mom. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it was. Uh, was it? I wouldn't say it, like I was upset, but I wasn't too upset. Like I get it; it's free. If I paid the forty dollars and got that, oh man, I'd be uh, furious as did shit. You, did you get what you said from last time we were together? Did you Did you get to experience the world? No. Oh, weird. Because that was like one of your main selling points. Yeah, I wanted to see what they. I want to see what D is all about. Oh, grinding. It's about grinding. Okay, good. Now I know. Speaking the main of... thing I took away from D and D is uh, cooldown and stamina bar management. That is that is the definitive D and D experience. <laughs> exactly, sir. Exactly, one hundred percent. You about to say? No, no. It, it has a pretty decent sized map, but to get through it, like you said, it's. Uh, it's just it's not a drag it's just you need companions to play because it's going to get boring and repetitive you can only hit rb and rt so many times before you want to bang your head into a wall it's a little bit like when you're in a combat encounter and by turn four or five you think to yourself what is happening why are we still doing this oh yeah essentially and that is tricky because sometimes fights have to take longer but you have to this is something i ask myself if i'm going to run uh, modules or campaigns or adventures i do i really like combat to be high stakes and that's not, not what this game does high stakes being the fight didn't have to happen but now that it's happening you're not plowing over five-year-olds with top guns you're plowing over five-year-olds with fully automatic rifles so it can still squeeze up a few shots and mess you up for life psychologically and physiologically because i messed up like that so when it comes down to things like this if it's okay guys your party of four adventures is beset by 15 goblins I'm probably not going to do a standard turn structure and designate, okay, this one's here, and this one's here, and this one's here, and this one's here. Okay, keep track of all of them. I'm going to do it in chunks or in mobs because I have sufficient confidence in the adventurers to get past this roadblock using some effort, but not necessarily roll through everything step by step by step because the players themselves will get bored. And what's the point anyway? Well, the point is to present a threat. So that when something more interesting happens, a more difficult opponent, or something that's a environmental puzzle that has you know sharp arrows flying at you to make it more difficult, then it sets a mood of threat. These creatures themselves aren't necessarily threatening, but their presence doesn't make anything else easier or better. But if it does come down to, here's one big opponent, let's call it a boss, and this is their domain that you're breaking into, so they're going to stand at fight. If you have the tools to solve that fight. And I can see that you can solve that fight through attrition. The answer isn't repeat the same set of actions for seven turns to make the health bar run out. That is a reasonably boring set of activities. It rolls to hit, it hits, you're a little bit hurt, you all roll to hit, you hit, you deal some damage. Okay, it went from 435 hit points to 378. Just repeat that. That's fucking boring. There has to be something else happening throughout this encounter. Yes, people like to use their big ability and flex. Absolutely. But if you cast your ultimate ability, Chucks, uh, let's think now. Yeah, it would have to be picklebacks. So you use your ultimate boost pickleback juice on turn one. And by turn three, you're doing the Tornado Alabama shuffle. And you pull that move off and you just steal a number pop up over the boss's head like 378. Boop! And it just shrugs it off. I'm going to say, outside of video games, that is unacceptable. Something has to happen here. And I'm more than willing to have the monster take more damage than it should for the sake of narrative engagement. 
Because I don't know about you with your nascent experience in D&D, but if you're the purple dragon of awesome tacular slaughter madness fighter level 17, all it can do is roll to attack four times per turn, where your whole gameplay is walk up to the thing, chop, 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 chop. Next turn, chop, 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 chop. That, I don't think you feel powerful. I think the numbers are impressive, but it's it, it bogs down pretty quickly. So in a tabletop narrative format, you can do quite a bit. In a game format, well, we're taught for the last 10 years, get the enemy in range, pop off your big abilities, wait for the bars to, to, to come back while you swing pathetically with your impressive weapon of legend, and just repeat that shit until the bar runs out. That's, that's not great in a storytelling environment. That's really formulaic, I'm going to say. I would agree. I mean, I think with Neverwinter it worked, but with this, yeah, no, for this, Neverwinter story really wasn't meant to be, I don't think anybody really cared about it. Like, unless you knew D&D, you weren't really big and involved into the story. It was more like, I'm just here to play with friends. With Dark Alliance, I want to know the world. I want to know the story. But right now, all I know is I'm fighting what looks to be goblins and then a frost dragon comes in and stomps their butt and that's the first level so you're going okay i don't know what i'm doing but i'll do my best i give you an example from a much earlier adventure that we had we had a younger player with us or a newer player with us and we weren't super experienced i'm going to say but most of the table knew how stat tables and dice worked and the new guy just wanted to see what was up and so we had stumbled into a cave encounter that Featured a young dragon. Young enough where it's not, it's like the equivalent of a nine year old for a person, right? Still is a magical creature, it's very dangerous. And we don't really want to fight it, but it's, it's provoked us. So now it's either a scramble way to escape or try to subdue it. And the younger player was a fighter, so he had tried to get a higher position on the uh, cave side, on one of the side passages. He slipped and fell to where the dragon was. The dragon went to scamper over him and attack him. The player was wearing, the character was wearing metal armor, so it didn't take a whole lot of damage. The younger player said, I want to attack you with my sword. So we asked it, okay, how do you do that? Just just get him involved. Instead of rolling dice saying, I chop it. The question was, how would you attack it? And the player just happened to mime in a specific way that took the blade in both hands and thrust upward. And the DM paused, thought for a minute, rolled some dice and said, yeah, uh, in your panic, you thrust it up underneath its jaw and pierce its brain. So it wasn't about roll damage and see if it's a critical. It's where you put the sharp bit happened to be exactly where you should have put the sharp bit and the thing collapses and dies. Now, more juvenile players might say, oh man, kill steel, that's experience. But I mean, wouldn't you rather vote for the plucky, inexperienced guy who panicked and just stumbled into a positive solution and now has a story to tell of how he slew a dragon way, like, outside of probability? I think that's more interesting. Yeah. Now, is that going to work every time? No, not at all. But I'm very happy that instead of, okay, well, you're prone, so you got a minus five to hit, so go ahead and swing, you miss, next turn. I like when there's a little more cognitive cohesive tissue involved. And then everyone dodges the gold. Oh, give me, give me, give me, give me the money. So for you, Nutchucks, I would certainly hope that you would have a good time with your table fellows, even if it is, we're going to strap this howitzer to this mammoth. Fuck yeah. Set it on fire. <laughs> so uh, 
I would agree. I, I would love to strap a howitzer on uh, <laughs> on just anything I'm doing. If I could use a howitzer and blow it away, I would definitely do it. Uh, I wanted to stick on games that we've, uh, you know, the topic of games. And, you know, it's that time of the year again for Steam. It's their uh, annual summer Steam sale. And have you seen anything right now that you would recommend to anybody or that you want in general, sir? Oh, that is that is an ultra loaded question. It is, but I just want to get because what you're thinking. Many of the the best deals that are happening here. I mean, what's the general rule of Steam sales? It's it's a simple point to start. You don't start looking at something unless it's fifty percent off. You consider buying it between seventy five and eighty five, and at ninety, it's a gimme. Put it in your library, and that goes for big titles as well, which we've discussed briefly before this cast. That is to say, things from 10 years ago that have been quite good at that time are now stupid cheap. So, for example, if we go through featured franchises, we'd mentioned the Metro series mm -hmm. previously. Let's right. see what the deep cuts are. Metro, oh, last light. percent or higher. Yes. Okay. Looking at I it would now. recommend that. If there's a franchise bundle, that's a good one. That's a good grab. The Dishonored series, 70% off each from their aged prices. So we're talking about between $3 and $12 for a game. Absolutely. I would say grab Dishonored because for the price of one retail game, you get everything and everything from all of your DLC. What else do we have that catches my eye? Umbrella Core. At the very least, Dragon Age 1 for $750 for all the content in that game. Yeah, it's a little bit older, but this is actually a pretty good D&D-adjacent adventure where I would say your actions and persistence in the world matter a whole lot more than your character level and class. Your entire campaign builds towards crescendos that play out in interesting ways depending on how you've interacted with the world. The Max Payne franchise. Let's see, for $14, you can have all three games. That is stupid good. If you like any kind of third-person shooting, this is a hallowed, well-respected series that is aged, certainly. But for $14, really? Go find out. Go play around. I have a lot of fondness for Max Payne, especially the third one, but that's for maybe grew up with game one and quasi-matured with game three. So there's and you, that. And your favorite movie is the Mark Wahlberg movie, right? That's your favorite movie of all time, the Max Payne, Mark Wahlberg? Uh, within the list of hundreds and hundreds of, quote, favorites, and I've watched this and pressed the like button, yeah, I'd actually like to rewatch it at some point because I don't think it's as bad as I remember it. Um, I know it's not great, but I think it has some redeeming value. But of course, it was fueled by betrayal of I expect thing with brand I recognize. Oh no, this is not the brand I want. Ah, the Dead Space franchise. $15 grabs you all three games. Stupid good deal. The Depending on how much you like the Tomb Raider games, it's also very nice. Uh, Mortal Kombat. 2 slash 11 slash ii slash the new one uh that was a thoroughly entertaining uh if butchery experience and again for super cheap you can get your hands on that uh i can check to see on things that are well no no it has to be things that are on sale currently because just going to the wish list of what i haven't acquired doesn't help anybody out it's just that next to a lot of these on sale icons there's also the in library icon so it's hard for me to say I want that because I, I have it and I've probably played it a bunch. The Resident Evil 2 remake is $16. Three is 20 so this is why I brought it up. And uh, our, our fan, uh, Kwai, 
uh, I mentioned to him if he ever wanted to play Resident Evil 3, the remake, he needs to get it for around this price. So with this summer sale going on, I'm not getting it. I should, because I keep saying I'm going to play all of them. Um, it's low risk, all things considered. Well, okay, at the same time, I got to say, if it's under $10, I'm a lot more lenient to try something, when it's, if, unless it's 20 Because again, the logic here is the playing field is enormous on sale. And then a single decision of $20 is two other games that could have gotten or more. So I look at the deep, 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 deep cuts first. So I might say, oh, you know, this newest entry interests me. Yeah, but it's still new. It's still fresh. And it's maybe 30% off. And we just discussed the rules. You don't consider buying uh, unless it's 50%. And then you get more inclined as it goes towards 70 because this is the great clearance bin in the sky. If you don't own Half-Life 2 yet, $2. I don't. That's the kind of you're behind. Uh, Baldur's Gate 2, Enhanced Edition, $4. That That is a no-brainer in my book. Baldur's Gate, have... $3. Uh-huh. So $7 gets you the, the classics. Mm-hmm. Icewind Dale may be in there, too. I didn't see it yet. Something like Jedi Fallen Order, I would say that it was a high-risk try for many people because it's not quite Dark Souls, it's not quite Jedi Academy, it's not quite anything else. It's its own thing. For 16 I would say it's worth a try. The Bioshock franchise will set you back a sum of about $17. 20 bucks for three games, once again, really good. It might even have Minerva's Den. If it has Minerva's Den, that's a no-brainer also. Let's find out. Yeah, I think it's part of the bundle. At least 250 on its own. I'm 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 listening and I'm watching and right now I uh, I'm looking at uh, Age of Empires 2 because this is what we're recording on the uh-huh. definitive edition and I'm just getting a kick out of like it's enhanced the graphics are only slightly better it's 13 bucks it's not worth one of those like hey, yeah they're, they're sprites how much crisper do you want the sprites to be exactly I'm like well this isn't for 14 bucks that's a maybe if somebody else do- Wants to get into it, I would definitely say it. World War One Verdun's on here. I did not want to browse difficult. For Doom 2016 went from 20 bucks to $6. There's no reason not to have it unless you're really spoopy, spoopy afraid of demons. And even then, if you are, go kill them. Oh, look, uh, Borderlands 3 is back on sale. Oh. For how much? 20 bucks for the standard. Now, again, it's a fresh property, so we'll see if there's a linkage. Because it's 20 for the core game, which is fair. 25 for the season pass, which I don't know if it's finished yet or not. Uh, the Commander Loath standalone DLC is 15 on its own. So let me investigate what this pass itself represents. I'm going to go with not worth it. But if you were to say, oh yeah, recent reviews, mostly negative. Awesome. Uh, there's a heist. There's a small campaign. Yeah, it looks like the season pass has all the extra stuff they've released, but the fact that it says season pass, it doesn't say one, but I'm sure they're hoping that there's a second season pass later on the works because more games are lingering for a few years and are allowing themselves to have more material. But again, here's the problem. The writing for Borderlands 3 is the weakest in the series for the most part. So more of that writing is a concern to the extent where... Sorry, what was the title for the Tiny Tina standalone game from E3? I don't remember. Treasure Lands or something. Yeah. That they're pivoting away, saying we have no more stories to tell in the Borderlands core canon, at least for a while, pending some rewrites. 
So do this instead. The Deus Ex series. The Deus Ex series. $3 for Human Revolution? Are you shitting me? $4.50 for Mankind Divided. No brainer. Good. Please get. Metal Gear Solid 5 for $5. Yes. Very good worth. Uh, surprising no one. Let's see what The Witcher 3 current price is. Okay, okay. Game of the Year is uh, $10. As opposed to Witcher 3 by itself? No? No? Somewhere? Soundtrack? 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 <laughs> I guess you can't get it except for the Game of the Year. But again, $10 gets you a whole lot of game. That's not bad. And then, of course, let's not forget uh, Thronebreaker, which is a far less recognizable game. That's a hard one. That's a hard one to recommend because many people who get into Witcher 3 fall in love with Gwent. And there's even a standalone game of cards called Gwent for free-to-play, but it has the same problems as any uh, pay-to-win system where they release cards in a pool of material, and those cards have an ecosystem of balance, but they release new packs, and that balance changes. So if you've played Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, or of course my favorite Magic the Gathering, you know what that creep is like over time. You're going to have an okay time unless you're pouring in money to buy the new broken shit. Well, Thronebreaker, The Witcher Tales, is a standalone adventure featuring a couple of the new characters in the, in the setting that you kind of know that's all about card puzzles and card combat. I really enjoyed it. I can't say everyone else will, but the writing is pretty solid, and they constantly offer the player options to make decisions based on what they think and what they know, and the game loves to fuck with your expectations because you may feel one way about what you did and the consequence may arrive immediately or well down the line and it's not what you expected, for good or for ill. I tend to like that. I, uh, I would agree with that on that, that part. I'm sitting here that if the writing's good on a game, I'm going to definitely want to play it. Um, one game right now that uh, it, it hit me in the feels because of my age is the Spyro Trilogy, the Reignited Trilogy. For some reason, I saw it. It's on sale for 14 bucks. Overwhelmingly positive. Came out two years ago, um, along with the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. I don't know if that's on sale, though, and that's what I'm about to look up. I'm going to stop you right there. What? Nope. How does, writing, how does writing connect with nostalgia? Because you said good writing. Good. Well, it does because the, from my childhood. Ah. Well, so Crash Bandicoot didn't have any good writing, but Spyro had at least a decent story that you could always connect with and it was easy to follow. Um, until it got into where Xbox started getting involved, and then they got um, who's the guy who played in Lord of the Rings, Frodo? Elijah Wood. Yeah, he started voicing it, and I, I didn't like it too much. The the writing for the early Spyro Spyro trilogy wasn't too bad. It was a silly little thing, and they played it off the campiness. It was done by a uh, Naughty Dog. Or, yeah, Naughty Dog. Not anymore. It's done by uh, Toys by Bob, who were the same guys who did uh, the, the the Islanders or Skylanders was this little series that kids used to play back like five, six years ago. Um, and it wasn't bad. So these, these reminded me of that. And when he said good writing, I was like, I remember loving the writing and the story behind Spyro when I was a kid. That's why I brought that up. And it was a nostalgia feel, too, at the same time. It's like, it's oh, not yeah. a that, that's a questionable watermark. What? Speaking of what I like, when I was 10, this shit was awesome. It's yeah. good now. It's overwhelmingly positive. Everybody's enjoying it and the way it's been played, I guess. Not for the writing. No, guys, not for the writing because the gameplay has that, been that, a lot that's better. That's the cornerstone of attacking because that was the, your lead unqualifier. It was, it was good writing when I was younger. 
Speaking of, I also really appreciate this series for its reasons. But that's why I wanted to jump in because you said, yeah, best writing. But Balloon Tower Defense 6 is the best writing. Dude, don't, don't hate on Blue Tower Defense 6. It's, it, it is. It's the best writing of all time. Zombie speaking Army of, Trilogy 4. Speaking of bad writing, mm-hmm. there's, this is a game that challenges what I said previously. Devil May Cry 5 is only at a discount of 20%. But its offering price is $25. That is a very good price for the entertainment package you will receive if you enjoy third-person character action games. So it's a low discount threshold, but the starting price is good enough to begin with. So I would say that's worth looking into if you enjoy controlling different characters, going through nightmarish environments, enjoying a well-lit visual rig for the game, and of course pulling off some combos and having very, very campy dialogue and gay cowboys. You cannot forget the gay cowboys. It's it's an independent film. That's a South Park reference, by the way. Um, you said you would try a game that's under ten dollars. Uh, what is uh-huh. your Far Cry Five? Normally fifty nine ninety nine, eight ninety nine. I mean, I haven't played it, so the term "try" is actually quite appropriate. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I have I, played Far Cry One, Two, Three, Blood Dragon, a tiny bit of Four. Have not played Primal, not played Five or New Dawn, but what I can tell you from all the previous Far Cries I've played is there is an enjoyable time to be spent in this game. It's only damaging to your psyche if you attempt to complete it to do everything because the game does not respect your time. That being said, yeah, absolutely, I'd spend time in Montana in Far Cry Five for nine dollars. There's a lot of material ahead of me, and I can't be upset at saying, "Oh, I paid sixty nine ninety nine plus tax for this." And all it got me is this custom gun skin. Mm. I'm okay. I would even consider Primal for $7 because they're not bad games. All I've said against them previously is that they tend to be kind of derivative where they give you lots to do in the same way each time, except for standouts like Blood Dragon, for example, even though same neighborhood. And for the money you're paying, it dilutes a lot of your focus across, well, I'm going to grind this challenge. I'm going to try and get the skill up to get my traversal to be more easy so I can do more of the skills. This is Ubisoft's hallmark. We know this very well by now. If you're into it, fantastic. There's no reason to pay new. It's more of what you already know. Wait till it's cheaper. Don't encourage the design decision by buying the newest iteration immediately. That's usually my big claim to don't. Um, Like Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. There's not a lot of reason to play this. But if you like Dragon Ball Z and you like going around and making your team slightly stronger through incremental progress with a unnecessarily sprawled out open world RPG, yeah, okay, for twenty bucks it's totally worth it. For sixty, no. That's so. There, there are two games on here that I'm looking at right now. I own one of them on the PS4, but I couldn't record it on here because of my Elgato capture card going down. Wouldn't you rather uh, play it in a higher quality? I would. Uh, you know what game that is, sir? We were just talking about mythology a little bit ago. Oh, that would have to be um, <clears throat> Wolves of Midgard. Close. Uh, wrong mythology. And this, the, the the first word starts with ass. Uh, that would be Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry. Close enough, Odyssey, but yeah. It's 17 bucks right now. Normally $59.99, $17.99 right now. Or you can get Origins for $12 for $11.99. And the other game I'm looking at 
It's the deluxe edition of Need for Speed Heat. Heat's been on sale on PS4 for a long time. I don't know what happened to that game, but that's been pushed out to die for a while. I'm suspicious. Which, yeah, which is weird because everything on here, it's like, it's very positive. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Like a Need, for, Sp- Need for Speed game has a positive read for the first time. Like, I'm kind of surprised. Chucks. What's up? If, if you don't buy this, I'm going to force it to your library. What is it? Make the exact same mistake that I did with my other friend, okay? Yakuza 0 is $5. I'm looking at it right now. Four ninety nine. I saw that. One of the best of the whole franchise is five dollars. Here's, here's the thing, though. What's that? I can play it on lower quality for ten ninety nine a month, and I can play all of them without spending a dime on here and get some other stuff. It's true, but you can't record it, can you? I cannot. I mean, this would be me enjoying heavy finger quotes. You seeing this shit i mean it'd be more fun i think on some level for you to play it like a dragon but that's still a new game and it's a high enough watermark and price that i'm not going to say it's an easy swing whereas i might say oh man yakuza 5 is pretty cheap that's great but you're not going to dive into that That, that's a bad place to start that's a good place to end up though (laughs) as we're looking at this i'm looking at this list so the progression rate here is uh let's see the release dates are oh the remasters that doesn't matter too much but Yakuza 0, Yakuza Kiwami, Yakuza Kiwami 2, Yakuza 3, Yakuza 4, Yakuza 5, and then 6, and then Like a Dragon. But the release order is a little more fucked than that, unfortunately. After 5, they made 0, then they made 6, but they remade 1 and 2 as Kiwamis in the middle. It gets weird. Are I'm curious, are people still playing Battlefield 1? Probably. Because I'm looking at Battlefield 5, it's, it's only 5 bucks more, but it has mixed reviews. That came out last... It hasn't been even out a year. They're very different games, though. Concentration-wise, in terms of infantry field, they're they're quite different games. Oh, no, no, I can see that. And then Battlefield 1 Revolution came out last year. It's been a year. June 11th is what this says. And it it doesn't look bad, but I enjoy Battlefield 1. We did a a special Grimecast for it once. Yes, uh, Prince Philippe. She kept on trying to pronounce authentically. And Coinbeater and I went, eh, okay, okay, yeah, I gotcha. You're into this. Fantastic. I understand. Good, 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 good for you. Uh, Di- uh, Destiny 2, you know, it's free. That, that, that's a good one. Yeah, been free for about two years, I think. Yeah, it is. It's been free. <laughs> it's, in terms of good, yes. I, I have very little to say disparaging about the system. I know there's a lot of balance changes that people like and dislike it's it's a solid shooter experience and it's by far better on pc than on console in my experience it's it's a pleasure to play here with mouse and keyboard as opposed to struggling with aim down sights on the other rigs you can do it you can get used to anything absolutely but i i would say that if you want to dip in even just for pve content to see artistic expression and lots of gunplay yeah Absolutely, risk-free, except for your poor, poor hard drive with all of its gigs. It's a, it's a beefy boy. Let's see. Death Stranding, $24. It's right within striking range, I'd say, because that's a game that I'm very curious about for personal reasons, I suppose. Um, Consider- let's see. Hmm? Like, what game? Oh, you like the Dynasty Warrior games, but guess what? You got One Piece Pirate Warriors 4 for $18. 
but not I would a year. say that's a fair price. I yeah. picked it up for, I want to say, 30 a month and a half ago. Should have waited. Different platform. But I did see the announcement banner for Samurai Warriors 5, and that's very confusing to me because I wasn't aware they're still pursuing that franchise in its core. I know they're trying to pivot away from uh, Dynasty Warriors as much as possible. That's uh, that was my understanding too. Like everybody, when I when I saw it, and the first thing on it was like, "This is the first release in this one in this series in a long time." Uh, it was quite surprising. I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's I didn't know that." Uh, going for cell shading now. Stalker. But I also want to take those games. I like them. Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl, six dollars. Uh, Stalker's a hard sell. I know. If if you if you want to mod it up. Absolutely, go do the stalker. But I mean, I'd rather if you want to have a decent time, just go play Metro. Stalker, you have to be wanting a certain kind of misery, both from the theme of the environment and the mechanics betraying you, and the occasional cr- crashes and corruption bugs. That, that that's a high risk swing if you don't know what you're in for. And actually, it's it's not fair to say that One Piece Warriors 4 was $18, considering that this is uh, Bandai Namco, and all the DLC balloons it out to 33 or more, unfortunately. Uh, I know. Very, oh, okay, well, I, I am still just browsing through games here at the same time we're talking in. Prohibiting content. It is. Batman, Telltale Batman, very good game. Uh, I enjoyed playing it. Four bucks. Now, is that the full one or is that just episode one? I don't know. You should take a look, do a click, and find out for yourself. View page up. Batman: The Telltale Series is three seventy four. So you can buy Telltale Batman Shadow Edition for seven forty six. This includes Batman: Telltale Series, Batman: The Enemy Within: The Telltale Series, and Batman: Shadows: The Enemy Within. Batman. Shadows Mode, the Telltale series. I, I don't know what the last one, the difference is, but okay. It is legally distinct. It's a different skew. Give me your money. We'll figure it out on the other side. But, that, but uh, it, has, it has the curse, the curse of Telltale Game, because unfortunately, every subsequent Telltale game you play after the first is less impactful, down to a very meager, diminished result. And I don't want it to be that way, but that's how it happens. Similar to even within series, the first season of The Walking Dead, the Telltale did, was excellent. The second season was all right, pretty good. From what I hear, Michonne and onwards kept losing its magic. And do you know why? It's because the magic trick of decisions and consequences, regrettably, can't last a perpetuity. It has diminishing results. So if you want to buy all the Batmans on Telltale, you can do that, and you can probably go through them and have a decent time, but you have ruined yourself to the better Telltale games. Because you, you came in based on the Batman license. You recognize Dude and Cape with Nose Piece, and you go, yeah, this is what I want in my life. But then when it comes to something more original or a differently adapted uh, property, at the very least, you go, oh, I know how you guys work, and this isn't of any consequence to me. I shouldn't say original. Everything Telltale has done, primarily, has been an adaptation of an existing license. Near Automata, not on sale. Very bizarre. Really? There was one on there. It was a Replica? Replicant, which is the reissue of the first game, for a quarter off, and that violates our rules of Steam sales. Don't worry about it unless it goes lower. 
I don't think they're doing it this year, but there used to be a thing where there were flash sales. So every eight hours, you check back in and see what went on deeper cut. Might still happen. That's huh. the beauty of this celebration of Steam sale is you get to exchange your loyalty bucks for permissions to play software much at a much more favorable rate than elsewhere in the world. And I'm very okay with that. That's a fair place to be. It's much healthier than pre-ordering whatever next piece of shit that's coming out for this ultimate edition, not including Season Pass 2. It is, it is generous in its way. And I can totally see there being a sub-business of Sherpas, because if you're faced with 18,000 titles that are on sale, and you're new to this thing, and all you know is Fortnite, where do you start? What do you look at? Oh, and also, since you mentioned Far Cry 5, uh, unfortunately, $9 is your standard edition. Gold edition doubles that to $18. If you want to buy the Far Cry New Dawn Deluxe Edition bundle with Far Cry 5, that's up to 20 bucks, which is probably the best standpoint in terms of uh, what you get. Or you can even get Ultra, Ultra Double Deluxe for $26. So your look-at-me attention-getting price of $9, unfortunately, is not representative of what you could be getting as an investment loss, unless you pay extra for more stuff. Uh, it's kind of like buy two, get one free. I was going to buy one. But now you got me interested. What happens if I buy two? And I can't I can't buy a cheap one. They have to be roughly the same price to make my discount worthwhile. So I'm gonna overswing by four hundred percent of what I want to spend today. But I get to have the knowledge that I got one free. So Soul Calibur six, eight ninety nine. And Dark Core package, yes. Dark Souls two nine ninety nine. Sorry, you said what now? It uh, cut out. Dark Souls 2 is $9.99. Dark Souls 2? Yep. The the least good one. That's the one you're leading with. Oh, I'm just saying, that that's on here. I, I know you always tell me to get, play the Dark Souls series. Assassin's Creed Unity, $4.49. Far Cry 4, 5 bucks. That's actually, yeah, that's a good swing. Unity, that's always one that's very contentious. For 5 bucks, it's worth finding out. Uh, that's the one in France, correct? Because I believe I have that one for free. When... That is that is the one in France, yes, sir. Yeah, I have the whatever the Ubisoft thing is. They, they when they were giving it out uh, for free because they were using it to rebuild the Notre Dame Cathedral. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it's a word. Witcher Enhanced Edition, the original Witcher. Dollar fifty. Good luck. Hope you stick around. There's a lot to see, but oh boy, <laughs> we have moved on to better things in that time. Yeah, that's uh, Orcs Must Die Very... Three. By the way, it's got uh, Orcs Must Die Two is three seventy four. That's a good one. That's an old one. By the way, they're releasing three next month. I don't care. <laughs> You're like, no, nope, don't don't bother me. That's Se seven years after the previous one was released, let's see if it's any good. Because again, Torchlight 3, hey, it's a thing I recognize. Oh, it's a whole different development house. Oh, they got shut down because of poor sales. Well, okay. The name of thing I recognize means less than I thought it did before. <laughs> Bigfoot. 1439. Well, Chuck's if we're roughly out of things to say since we're just... Uh, no, I'm just... ...socking the things on sale. Oh, no, I was just, I know we got on here. Um, so, sir, any new games you're excited for before we get on there? New games I'm excited for? Yeah. Well, I can speak to a game that I've played that's not new. It's only newness as it's released on PC. What's that? 
Oh, that'd be Days Gone. Days Gone. I haven't played. I've only played bits of that one. You've only played bits of that one. Well, please, with that innocuous statement, tell me what you know about Days Gone. Oh man, Days Gone. Dude, like I said, it's been a while. Hold on here. It's possible you're bullshitting, but maybe you mean. What oh you're no saying. no 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 no! Wrong one. Wrong one. I'm thinking of uh, something else. Dead by Daylight. I'm sorry. Days Gone's the one with the bike that was on PS4. So yeah, you got me on that. My bad. <laughs> I have it's not played okay. Days Gone. I I believe it was a PS Plus freebie some time ago. And with a name like Days Gone, starting with a D, being fairly brief, and dealing with zombies, it is utterly unsurprising that it might just completely go passed over without much fanfare. And it being ported to PC two years later is also curious, because despite a middling reception on console when it first released, I mean, kind of positive, but in that milquetoast sort of way, uh, the PC crowd has been much more favorable of this game, and if you if, if you have the hardware to make it sing graphically, I could totally see why. I would say I was impressed but frustrated by the experience. Uh, there's a content creator named Noah Caldwell Gervais, with a very long-winded set of essays and formats. He did a two-piece comparison of Days Gone and Horizon Horizon Zero Dawn, which was surprisingly scalable. The narrative of Days Gone is best reflected in a Netflix-style show, and there are roughly three seasons that happen within this game, which, depending how you look at it, for me, is a bad thing. For people who love to binge shows, probably a good thing. The reason I say this, based on plotting, is the setup is reasonably simple. It is Western and Central Oregon. The world has ended due to a, a zombie-like plague a couple of years ago, and your protagonist is a motor club Afghanistan veteran a survivor who is a hard-as-nails prick. But of course, there's a human side deep in there somewhere. It just doesn't come out very often because the world demands that he be a hardened survivor. The events of the game take you through an initially spin tires plan of, yeah, we'll just get some supplies and we'll go north. We'll escape this. That gets more involved with local settlements and their particular squabbles because the people there matter to the character no matter how much he tries to deny that to himself. And gradually get embroiled in larger forces as an organized response, let's call it team, is looking to reset the playing field of the uh, Oregon area in terms of the zombies and the survivors. And of course, their efforts are going to be uh, slash and burn as opposed to surgical. So the people that you care for stand to suffer from the set of actions. And that, that's the general overlying plot. There are details about your character's best friend and his missing wife and what mysteries he can solve about how the zombies came to be as they are, which of course are very cheeky audiologue left behind or hints at what's happening. You get very few definitive answers. What I wanted to focus on mostly was the protagonist himself. Uh, the character's name is Deacon St. John. The actor portraying him is Sam Woodward. And I was very pleased to discover that Sam Witwer was also Starkiller from the Force Unleashed games. So the actor's performance is something I've seen on screen before. The overall pacing and rambling of how the guy speaks is really bizarre to me because it's, it's unnerving. At the same time, a vet who came home and never got the treatment he wanted and just roamed on a bike for two years, somebody who left their soul back on the battlefield somewhere else, I can totally see that as an angry, rambling, anti-establishment dude who's very good with a gun and terrible with people. Uh, there is a difference here somewhere between 
the tone setter is somewhere between Sons of Anarchy and Walking Dead in terms of there being a very serious danger out there in the fields. But of course, the attention of the camera and the people involved are inside the enclosures of the chain link encampments that people have uh, set up for themselves. So it's not enough that there's things out there that want to eat us. Of course, with the squabble over, you know, bullets and beans inside the camp walls. In terms of overall roaming, though, it weirdly enough, specifically enough, I've had people really not have a good time play Red Dead Redemption 2 because in Red Dead Redemption 2, you get constantly potentially distracted by new things popping up on your map so that you can't go from A to B without something tempting you to break your intention. So the ADHD, excuse me, ADHD kicks in on some people. Is that rolling dice? And they get completely sidelined to go pursue whatever hunt or gathering or foraging or side quest they can. Well, good news. Days Gone has some of that, but way less of it. So your A to B gameplay of resolving missions and going back to town to collect your booty is more streamlined. So I can see that being the appeal for the audience. Similarly, you don't have a horse, but you have a bike. And that bike is a game-long partner and investment. And I would say I'm not really a gearhead. I don't really enjoy car and motorcycle culture, but after playing this game, I'm a little more interested in how you customize your frames, your shocks, your fuel tank, your, your handling, your suspension, and your various girders, because beyond just stat increases, the look for your bike is perpetually changing in the game. So that's your one reliable point of A to B, and guess what? You have to maintain it, repair it, and fuel it up, and it is a thirsty motherfucker. So it's a point of tension and empowerment throughout your experience. You can fast travel, but everything is still based on roaming the roads of Oregon, along the trails, the hills, the sand dunes, and more open fields. So traversal is a pleasure. Unfortunately, the combat is really hit and miss because the game does lend you a high volume, re reasonably high volume of firearms, most of which feel mostly ineffective in a firefight. They look cool, they sound cool, it's just everyone's spongy, the enemies are. Unless you can nail uh, consistent headshots, you're not going to feel very effective with most of your gunplay. And of course, the characters are good at dodging out of the way, both human opponents and, uh, and monster opponents. And there is a melee system where you can bludgeon things to death with uh, improvised Dead Rising style baseball bats with saw blades tied to them. That is effective, but they break down quickly, so you have to constantly scavenge for parts. So there's this tension that... The game wants you to go out and clear the world of threats and empty out camps and take care of the marquee feature of the game, which are the freaker hordes. The zombies are called freakers for reasons. The hordes themselves are basically a, 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 a flow, a torrent of bodies between 50 and 300 opponents strong that relentlessly pursue you. So the initial encounters you have with these things, your reflexes are very simple. Get in your bike, run. Don't, don't fight this. There's no point. But eventually the game will force you to fight one or two. So as you learn to deal with them, you bring explosives, you bring munitions, you have a strategy. Unfortunately, most of the strategy boils down to roll away and sprint as much as you can while taking pot shots behind you. I mean, more sophisticated strategies exist, but there's 20 of these damn things throughout the map. So after a while, you get your one dominant strategy of dealing with these things, and you proceed forward. And of course, all you get for the pleasure is, one, you don't get to encounter that horde in the area anymore, and two, you get progress tokens towards new guns to deal with hordes with. What makes this frustrating is that the game is very attractive. The character models are well rendered. The outfits kind of change. The bike changes. The day and night cycle looks good. 
and the misery post-apocalyptic grime does feel nice for a while. But based on the events of the narrative, how they're all out, and how much time you spend there, your eyes do begin to glaze over all the beauty. And after a while, the question persists, why are we here? Why are we doing this? Uh, Snake would say just suffer. Does it have a satisfying conclusion to its story? I would say yes. I would say in my perspective, the characters are tragically American, being deeply unlikable and very, very flawed. But again, as it's mentioned in the game, you know, the, the civil workers, accountants, and janitors didn't survive this shit. The assholes did. And the assholes are the ones that are constantly fronting against one another to compete over the scraps left in their dying world. So I'm willing to accept these people as being charming in their own way, even as I don't like them very much. So Days Gone is kind of tough to recommend, but the recommendation is that I had more fun than I expected to. It is not a generic game. It, it is flawed by the smaller studio that was involved tackling a much larger project than was previously asked of it. And based on what they got to accomplish, this is a, uh, it's a distinct flavor of Apocalypse Cowboy with a regrettably generic-seeming naming and visual aesthetic where things are just shabby and worn down. And of course, when the game launched infamously, the bugs were pretty noticeable and deeply uh, affecting of gameplay. I found a fair few myself, but I didn't hold this against the game. I understood what it was getting into. But then you can look at the screenshots yourself and look at the open fields and the skies and the mountains and, and, and the blood and the shit smeared in the cave walls. You decide for yourself, Chucks. I mean, tell me, does anything what I've said or what you've seen appeal to you about this game? I didn't look at it while you were talking, but yes, the game does sound appealing. The whole concept of you traveling across the lands trying to fight off freakers. I, I knew somewhat of the story because I saw the, the commercials of it. I just never went and bought it. Um, is slightly intriguing the fact that I like zombie games quite a bit. Uh, big Resident Evil fan, as you know. Um, and the concept of driving around on your bike trying to figure out how to beat this and the stuff you come across does sound intriguing to me. And if the way you worded it is like potentially a cowboy-esque uh, adventure just with a motorcycle, eh, that doesn't sound bad. I may check it out one day, but uh, as of right now, I probably won't. But it's only $49.99 and not currently on sale. Exactly. <laughs> on the version that I played, I will mention that very late in the game, there are unexpected crossover promotional materials that may break your immersion or just make you go, wait, what am I looking at? On the one hand, there are bike decals or paint themes for the, for the main body components that reference things like Uncharted 4 and other Sony exclusives, which is fine. If you want to put a custom decal on your bike, there are uh, events in the game that reward you with colors. That's okay. What took me completely off guard were two fuel tanks that were referential to Death Stranding. One being a high-tech energy chamber that chimes on and off whenever you get on the bike or get off the bike, get near it, which is neat enough. It just looks way more high-tech than anything else happening in the game. And the other was a BB containment chamber, so you can drive around with a luminescent infant uh, bouncing around between your loins on your bike, which is as exciting or unnerving as you might tell with your implications. So... Death Stranding, cross-promotion, days gone, bikes in both games, haha. Huh. Yeah. Oop, I accidentally hit something. I will say this. Since the game has been out for a while, I decided to check out what other features it had. 
and there was a completely separately bolted on challenge mode for the game. And typically I kind of roll my eyes at the stuff because it's challenges are completely extraneous. They don't necessarily pertain to the game proper. Well, there were, I want to say 20 challenges in this one, which gave you some of the more, more typical, which is survive the enemies coming at you in this specific scenario, either mostly freakers or some human camps, which were decently doable or quite challenging because to get rankings, you have to complete specific objectives beyond just engaging opponents. But the other challenges were really interesting because they weren't just bike races and such. One of them was flat out a crazy taxi uh, implementation using a golf cart with unlimited boost. So <laughs> being able to just jam around a playground, uh, not a playground, but a, like a safe haven that was a encampment of the game. But now you're just ferrying people to and fro on random uh, spawns while occasionally hitting freakers. That was actually quite a bit of fun. One of the courses will tick down from 20 seconds to nothing if you let go of the gas, and I have to drift and break creatively without laying off of the throttle as much as possible. So the gameplay of those challenges, which was less pulling teeth most of the time, only occasionally was it kind of a little fuck, okay, come on, I have to make things line up correctly, such as take out a horde, and if you want to score well, you can't roll at all, no evasive rolls, and you can't take any damage unless... If you do, that that scoring pool is lost. And if you do manage to place bronze or higher, the challenge then unlocks not only currency for equipment in the challenge mode, but it gives you patches for your vest, which give you permanent upgrades, and those actually influence the main game. So if you want to, you can up your stats in the main game by doing challenges. And that's rare as an inclusion. I want to call that out and celebrate it, because typically the two modes live in completely separate realities. But here... There's enough love for what they made in the main game that dicking around on the side can still help you in significant ways. And I, I appreciate that quite a bit. I want to call it out whenever that occurs. Nice. <laughs> yeah, crazy golf taxi. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I thought I wasn't sure if you were done, so I waited. I was like, is he, is he done or what? Wait. Wait, okay. There's more to say, but there's not much I can offer at this point. No, uh, days gone. Surprisingly enjoyable. I'm just not sure how much people will get out of it that aren't looking at it the same way I am. I got you. Uh, I would probably get out. Is it a fun game to play? And that's about what I would look for and something like that. Um, I enjoyed State of Decay. That it's nothing similar in any way, but I enjoyed that. So potentially I would might like that. I don't know. I have not 100% I'll sure. It, I'll give it one more piece of shit, though. Mm -hmm. Early on, you are asked to create to make a decision between how to finish a quest, who you bring the results of the quest to, and the division line are two ex uh, explicitly uh, mutually exclusive benefits to you. And upon starting up a new game plus, because those trophies associated with this, I wanted to blast through that as well. Um, your choice doesn't matter. That choice does not matter, and there's only one in the game. So either because they ran out of time or they edited stuff out or cut it out, I expected there, be to, there to be more branching consequences of what you did as a character. Nope, it just happens once and it's purely cosmetic. So unfortunately, that's something that didn't happen. And from what I understand, because of the leadership involved in the project being complete assholes and being uh, diminished or fired by, by Sony, I don't think we'll get a Days Gone 2. So this is a rare example of a flawed diamond in the rough being available to experience purely on its own without expectation of a follow-up. 
right over. No, no, you're good. Um, I don't know. I got knowing Sony and how they are and what they do, they're probably not just going to let that game fall. If it, if all sales indicate that it was done well, that they'll they'll push for a sequel. They'll find a new studio to take over. Um, but thank you for the rant on Days Gone. I you just explained how the game is, and I've never played it, and I it's I think it'd be exciting to play. It is exciting to play. It's the duration of play that concerns me. Because as I mentioned, it's three seasons of a show. So how do these shows work, generally speaking? If you have a show on Netflix or your favorite streaming platform, Chucks, new show comes out, 12 or so episodes, how is that flow going to go? It all depends on how they set it up. I don't know. Nope. Same, same formula. Same fucking shit every time. Okay, okay, fine. Zombie show. Zombie show is going to be the same as everything. Zombie apocalypse happens. You meet your protagonist in the first episode. He's on a quest to go find or meet whoever he wants to or find inner peace. While fighting off the zombies, he meets a group of people he's there to protect or and try to find the cure. After he finds out he can't cure, get the cure, and he has to protect just now, he has to just protect the people. And it's just going to be him going from there and meeting the challenges and the things that get sent after him while he's protecting the group of people that he met and losing some slowly as they go through. Yeah. And this is season one, right? So it, well, we that's I just the, the, the season two would be just him. Okay, now we meet a new bad guy. There's still zombies, but how do we get through it? That's how almost every zombie show is. Like, how do we get through this situation? Kill fucking zombies. It's the same as season one. Yeah, oftentimes. And in this case, being you know intentionally uh, vague about what happens, the primary arc of season one is discover the lay of the land, see who's there, and my friend is hurt. I really need to help my friend. And that's firmly the focus and pivotal point of, of season one. And then when what I... It, the game doesn't tell you this, but you can feel when season one concludes and the arc resolves, things click forward in an insane way. And you go, wait, what? We're doing what now? And then you realize, oh, I guess we've settled into the new rhythm, which is effectively season two. So now we're we're going to shift our focus to a different concern. Because, you know, our friend's okay, I, I think. Hard to tell now. But there's, 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 there's new worries in the horizon. We've got to make new allegiances and, and question what we really believe. I mean, oh my god! And then resolves and say, "Ah, uh, I, I, I guess we're we're gonna be stranger in a strange land now. That's that's what we're doing. Brave new world out there. Let's let's do that. Oh, oh, oh! But this ties back to, hmm. If you can stand all that, if you can tie that together in your head, there's lots to like here. I just think to myself that the flow of gameplay, that being combat, exploration, scavenging, and discovery. Well, it's kind of like exploration, so take three of those things. That exists mostly separately from, oh, this is a nicely directed cutscene, and that, that, that character's performance capture was very solid. I could like the wrinkles in their skin and their, their flannel shirt. And boy, they have a big personality. I hope nothing bad happens to them. That's you what know. they're calling it, huh? Things like that. Which, actually, I will say that that said character, not being specific, you eventually are able to uh, obtain the firearm that they flash repeatedly in cutscenes and think, God, that is a cool-ass gun. And then its stats are actually lesser than another pistol required more recently. That's a much smaller firearm. And you go, oh, I guess overcompensating is the order of the day. Hmm. 
That sounds about right, though. That's that's anytime anytime there's a game like that, and you're like, yeah, this bad guy's got the baddest pistol, and you go to get it, it's like, oh, this is shit. Like, why is it crap? Oh man, it's it's not shit per se. It's just not as good as what you already have, which is lets some of the wind out of your sails. You don't know what I did to get this man. No, which uh, there's a minor minor spoiler for full ahead i was quite pleased that when a new tier of equipment power will become available to the player the game begins with with ak-47s as reasonably available scavenger rifles for everyone and it establishes oh this is a shit gun like no everyone has one nobody likes them but here it is and then as you sort of progress up you get all kinds of more modern weapons to replace them with and you sort of hit a plateau with the the trusty M4 carbine that just becomes your, oh yeah, American gun's better. Absolutely. Yeah. The American gun is the, is the one that performs the best in that slot as opposed to shotguns and rifles. And then you hit an encampment and then the thing you have to reach for to even make friends with is a PPSH 41. <laughs> and I think to myself, oh, that's a weird pull. And then you use it. And it's actually better than everything before. And I'm conflicted because on the one hand, Hey, Soviet weapons representation. Nice. On the other hand, this gun should not be doing what it's doing. <laughs> How do I feel about this? Especially because the RPD is also available. Oh man! Well, sir, is there we we got we got your love of games, uh, your game you're excited for. Is there a TV show or anything you're excited for coming out for Netflix, Hulu, on live TV? I don't anything you're anticipating watching in the theaters upcoming. Well, there is one thing that I'm anticipating watching on Netflix any day now, and I'll let you know how that goes. They have been posting. They posted the first three compilation films of the original Gundam series. Saw that. Basically, they took the 37 episodes, I want to say, and condensed them into three films. Uh, highly recommend you give that a watch if you want to, to catch up on what happened in the OG story. And then they skipped right over Zeta Double Zeta, understandably, and they give us, uh, excuse me, Shar's Counterattack, which for the longest time was a capstone film, well before Unicorn, well before others. That was the end of those characters' eras from the original story. So that was basically, you made it here, all the pieces make sense, and this is the big showdown. They also added Hathaway's Flash, or maybe are adding still. But that was a big release, long delayed, another click forward in the Universal Century timeline. So I'm excited to sit down and give my full attention to Hathaway's Flash to see what sense I can make of it. If you want to watch it, Chucks, you're welcome to. I don't expect you'll care much about anyone or anything that's involved, considering the no the name Noah Hathaway doesn't immediately or Hathaway Noah, excuse me, uh, doesn't immediately make your blood boil. Um, but, I would say no because when you said Hathaway Flash, I just thought you meant you were talking about the movie Havoc. If you get the reference, no, Anne, I actually don't. Anne, Anne Hathaway was very young when she did that film, and she's like naked in ninety percent of it. I see. Okay. Yeah. Boobies. Boobies. Boobies was the call of the day. It was. Children's jokes. I, Yay. Yay. <laughs> I I am I'm cautiously excited uh to go to the theaters tomorrow with my partially installed uh ASD vaccine and witness the newest entry in a long running franchise. Family. That from what I from what I understand. They changed writers, so I'm expecting to be gently disappointed. But as long as the stunt team does what they got to do, then we'll still have a good time. 
and that is of course the the uh, long-awaited quick save also known as the function nine key yes <laughs> actually quick load excuse me f5 is quick save my bad I, I i buried my own joke but um my wife and i will go we'll go watch it uh i expect we'll have a mixed opinion and i can't wait to discuss it because i i like that we're able to have this dynamic where i bring to her these deeply involving engaging human experiences like zero dark 30 and nightcrawler and spirited away and discuss everything from reality to myth to human condition to hopes and dreams and then the catharsis and i can also say let's go watch the cars go booming outer space and i can mean it and then she has to put up with that shit <laughs> chooses to rather um have you seen i believe it's a little skit dorkly that does what a fast and furious was real no, I don't think I've seen it, but I'll watch after this. Yeah, so it's just essentially Vin Diesel like, we're family, we're going to drive these cars out of the back of an airplane. And right as they do, like, all the cars come out with their parachutes ejected, and all of a sudden, like, because they're so heavy and they can't control it, they just tangle up parachutes and crash. And Vin Diesel's like, I'm going to drive backward in reverse, going down this uh, parking garage and try to outrun this <laughs> outrun this helicopter. He gets blown up. Gotcha. Yeah, so, so the... It, how it should have ended of, of, of those films. Yeah, correctly. How, how this is actually should have played out in real life, but it didn't. Um, I know for myself, I'm not I'm not super excited for anything coming out in theaters. There's a couple things on Netflix that I'm kind of excited to see. They got the first ever Resident Evil TV show. Uh, that's Infinite Darkness. It's a CG film, or excuse me, film show, using the same voice actors from uh, the RE2 remake. It's coming out on the 8th. I want to see what they do with that and if they butcher it. Um, I did enjoy the CG movies that Resident Evil did. I'm like one of few, according to everybody I talked to. They're like, oh, those are crap. I enjoyed them. Um, the other show I'm excited about is going to be the new Masters of the Universe. I want to see what they do with He-Man. Uh, Kevin Smith. So if Kevin Smith's behind it, uh, you know, he's a big comic book nerd. I would like to see what he does. He's what? a very big comic book nerd, but I'm not sure what his tone is these days because he's he's uh, pivoted quite a bit from his prior self, which you're allowed to do when you're mm -hmm. older, especially when you discover weed. Uh, speaking of Kevin Smith very briefly, I did watch Cop Out yesterday, which was his later slash modern era take on a buddy cop comedy with Tracy Morgan and Bruce Willis. So I don't know if you've seen it, but the comparison of in tone between Cop Out and Masters of the Universe, featuring series favorite Too Bad. Uh, I don't know if you can draw some parallels. Maybe. I'm, I'm excited to see that comes out at the end of the month. I'll have that week off when it comes out. So I will give you um, my opinions on both series. I'll be able to give you my opinion on the new Resident Evil show uh, being um, what in a few weeks after it comes out. I'll be able to tell you what I think of it. Uh, I do want to give everybody a heads up. I kept, kept promising a Resident Evil 8 review um i found out everything that i recorded in for all my content was uh not in the right format so i cannot do everything the way i wanted to um so i am going to scrap that review and i will be doing kind of like uh the thing that you showed me a retrospective on resident evil but include resident evil 8 and give uh, my opinions that way of the whole franchise in general uh, i would expect that to take me about i'd say a month and a half because I also plan on doing uh, another series, well, not a series, a, a short little retrospective on a set of TV ch uh, shows done by 
the great comic books franchise of DC um, and give those out and talk about how DC was actually dominant uh, for almost 30 years through comics, uh, movies, TV shows, and video games. So I plan on having that out in about three weeks. I already got half a script written. So I do want to apologize ahead of time since you guys are listening to the end of this, towards the end of this podcast. Just a heads up, if you guys are still expecting that, don't. I'm terribly sorry. I'm still expecting it. Uh, but I, I congratulate you for not giving up instead of saying, right, let's do it like this. Yeah, so I what I want to do, because when I had the footage, the footage didn't record at MP4, recorded in something else. Uh, so it came back to bite me in my butt. It was supposed to be, and we found out later on, so nothing I recorded when I was streaming or playing it for everybody was done in MP4. So I couldn't convert it the way I wanted to into uh, what I needed. But with me having a bunch of other things and me hopefully getting the uh, Elgato Pro capture card in my computer fixed, I'll have be able to do Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, and everything of that sort and to give you guys a full retrospective talking and my opinions on the game. Uh, because when I watched the one that you sent me, Brow, I was just like, man, he his opinions were different than mine, but I feel like that's what this is about. Like, hey, here's my opinions. So it was kind of, kind of excited and... Uh, the idea for the DC thing came about uh, because I was thinking about it when Tim Burton started out doing the uh, Batman movie. If you think for the next almost 30 years, so from like 1987-88 up until about, it was about 23-24 years, up until about 2012, DC had something either going on movies that was good or TV shows or video games that I want to discuss with you guys and give you guys a retrospect, uh, a talk to and tell you here's my opinions on these and why I think DC dominated the entertainment universe for comic books and for the young uh, young adults and children of the 90s and 2000s. Dominated, you say? I do. Compared mm. to... So let's think about it. Let's think about a lot of other... And here's why I say this. So let's think about what Marvel did. Marvel didn't have a good movie up until they had Blade. Blade was okay. They had Spider-Man broken and out. Spider-Man 2 was okay. Spider-Man 3 was crap. But at the same Don't time... Spawn. They had Spawn was... Spawn's image. Yeah, same thing, right? No. It's Tommy McFarlane's separate company. So that wouldn't be it. It'd be like saying Walking Dead would be Marvel or something, but that's also image. Um... They had Spider Man. When you get to buy, when you get to buy the parent rights, you get to rewrite history. That's true. Uh, um, Tom McFarlane is a big. He, he still does do work with uh, Marvel on some things. But if you think about it, you started out with Tim Burton's Batman, and then you had Batman Returns, and then you had the next two films that weren't as good. Who Joel Schumacher took over, but right as those movies ended, you had the Batman animated series, which dominated and won the first cartoon in a primetime award for an Emmy. And then it went to the new Batman adventures on CW that, which caused uh, Fox to buy the rights to uh, Spider-Man and fantastic four and everything. Cause they had these TV shows already on their channels and they were pushing to get movie rights to them. So it was a cool little thing, but do you think they dominated on those? Cause Superman and Batman both did really well. Once those ended, you had in the early two thousands, uh, the, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited that ran until 2006. And when those ended, you had the Christopher Nolan Batman films 
that started and right as they ended you had the batman video games that took over the arkham series so for about almost a span of 30 years dc had some way shape or form in the entertainment field a dominating factor a video game a movie a tv show something that they were doing that was always constant we just think back of it now as a a backwater company because they keep screwing up with the movies that they do minus like wonder woman and aquaman but I just want to give that perspective on how they how they kept being dominant in the entertainment field for thir- almost 30 years. I'm not sure anyone thinks of them as backwater, but if that's the words you want to sling at, go uh, ahead. Well, think about what they've done recently. Like Until they released the Snyder Cut, everybody was like, the Justice League movie was bad. Batman versus Superman was bad. Like everything That's only, only in live action. All you have what? to say is animation. They, they, and you it, get an endless stream of DC feature films for too but, long too many years they have recently and some of the ones that they have animated aren't that good though and that was the issue so you have a mate but everything that i'm talking about though was mainstream in the live in the, some of the animated ones are good and underrated uh justice league dark is pretty good for the animated series but i'm talking like heavy duty right in front of you like these films and stuff have been forefront in tv shows they have dominated in some way shape or form for almost that long of time I just want to talk about it and let let have people have their opinions and tell me, hey, no, you're wrong. I think Marvel did better, which I can understand, too. I identify with this licensed brand and fuck you. I prefer Captain America is my favorite hero, but I understand that Batman was more effective to me as a child because the animated series, the TV, uh, the TV show, Justice League. And like I said, you had the Batman films of the early 90s and the mid 2000s by Christopher Nolan. So. It's just my Captain America is your favorite hero. Then how can you bring yourself to vote? Uh, Are you talking about in elections? Yeah, Captain America is a deeply anti anti establishment dude. He is through his experiences. I uh, I don't vote normally. Get your guns from a militia for the true people. (laughs) Yeah. No, I normally don't vote though. I'm I'm honest on that end. I don't normally vote. Captain Doomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I just I, I thought I'd give you guys I have a script almost written out for the DC one. Uh, I'm going to take some of the stuff that I wrote for Resident Evil 8 and change it up a little bit. It might take me longer than a month and a half uh, because it depends on how long it's going to take to get this capture card in and then get all the stuff I want to record with. But who knows? Things could happen. It might take longer. It might take less. I'm just Don't. hopeful. Hurry anything. Take your time. Iterate, practice, record, review, critique, change it up, refilm it, etc. Don't hurry. Make something you like. We're, well, we're learning that the hard way right now. Trying to get together yeah. to do uh, How's Moving Castle for a movie discussion. <laughs> Which I... I shooting yet? No. Uh, I got to find part three because I'm still missing part of the book. For some reason, every time I try looking it up on YouTube to listen to, it's not there. So I'm missing a good chunk of the book and I'm not spending like $35 on a book. But the license holders need their cut, Mr. Chucks. I agree. Why you got to do the middleman dirty? Because I'm a broke bitch. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just because I'm broke and it was something easy I could listen to while I'm working. Um, That's also a thing. I got to constantly go back and write notes and do everything. So it, it takes a bit. Um, I will say I enjoy the book. It is 
it's there's not a whole lot of difference in it. There's just a whole lot more exp- like narrative to what the backstory is, and I get why Miyazaki changed things the way he did to fit his narrative. So I'm not complaining about it in any way. They're both really good. I've seen the movie like four times now. Good. Four or four or five times Ooh, since the last time we talked. <laughs> Maybe that's not so good then. But still, that means that the the listeners will be able to tune back in and hear. Officer Chucks speak in more than complete sentences, but actually introspectively and intelligently. Maybe. It is Chucks. Uh, there's, there's some things to work through, but I think it's possible. It, it's humanly possible. Yeah, I could definitely say that. Any parting remarks, Mr. Chucks? Uh, not uh, I don't really have much. Um, just expect us to be dropping more stuff we got some things uploading uh expect us to have some more disco elysium out for you guys and i plan on streaming in the next couple days i said that last time but uh family things come up so i could not um but expect to see us where we normally are twitch youtube guys have any questions now expect us uh as of today Sir, I believe we were talking about this before the thing, and I don't know if you don't mind me telling everybody, expect us on some podcast platforms, uh, Google Play, and uh, I'm going to try to put us on Spotify. That's going to cost us some money, but I think that would be... Once we figure the shit out, yes. Once we get a consistent set of audio and bitrate and all of that, absolutely. Establish a formula and publish it in other places you might venture. For your favorite podcasts yes and check us out there so wherever you can find your favorite podcast check us out there and let us know how we are leave us terrible reviews or leave us good reviews just let us know how we're doing you can downvote a podcast and that still counts as engagement so watch your ass indeed well sir uh what about you what do you uh what are you any closing remarks for you in any way closing remarks for me i might have some thoughts on the command and conquer at least not Red Alert series uh, or the original remaster collection next time we meet since I've been putting in extra time including the dinosaur missions you heard that correctly uh, if there's anything super juicy that we watch my wife and I or myself including Hathaway's Flash I'll have some thoughts for that as well and uh, I've been feeling a surge since my disability of upgrading my immune system has left me a little more mobile I've been putting together some more Gunpla, so I can offer some thoughts later on on various sets that have impressed me, including the real grade Evangelion series, which I've been very pleased with. You gotta, you gotta put the, you gotta put the fuel pump up the back of the lady. It's really important. So keeping on and uh, trying to put my life back together in a respectable fashion, whatever that looks like. Okay, well that sounds good. That sounds like fun. Uh, so, well, I guess this is where we're ending it off. So for Grime and Game, I'm Nutchucks. And I have been Browbeat. Until next time, guys. We'll see you then. Let us know how we did. <laughs>